You are listening to Lady Talk Radio. I'm your host and friend, Stacey Ray. Each week right here, you and I are going to have those much needed, honest conversations about your creativity, your work, your womanhood, your ambition, and so much more. Really, if I'm honest, nothing is off the table here. So pull up a chair and let's talk. I believe ambition is not a dirty word. This is about self-mastery. I decided today I wanted to take the power back. back. Remain in love with life, knowing that despite challenges, there are always solutions. What would happen if we were all brave enough to believe in our own ability? What I know for sure is that speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we all have. Well, I'm hyperventilating a little bit. If I fall over, pick me up because I've got some things to say. This is about, this is about self, self mastery. mastery. I'm enough, and I'm worthy of love and belonging and joy. Let us work at it together, starting now. Yo, yo, welcome back to the show. Today is a special one. Oh man, this is a special one. I actually had this inspiration drop in. The guest today is my friend and honestly, just like my soul sister. This this woman is, you're going to fall in love with her. It's basically, it's it's difficult to know this this chick and not be like, I really, really dig her. She's just got such an incredible magnetism about her. And when I first met her through the interwebs many years ago, as we do, I immediately was drawn to her boldness. You know, she is such an incredible speaker and creative. And she really, to me, is where like marketing, magnetism, and like making moves collide. She is an ace on personal branding. She is deeply creative, lives the creative life, lives the creative's path, and is just deeply passionate about seeing people carve their own paths in life. And she's just the bomb. And I know you're going to love her. And this episode was kind of, it was a little impromptu. Like we literally reached out to each other the week before and we're like, hey, we should actually jam on this. And what we were intentionally going to talk about, we did not talk about because you get two creatives in a room and two people who are deeply passionate about seeing creatives win. And of course, we had to talk about the creative journey. You know, we had to talk about the stuff that occurs. Even if you don't identify as a creative yet, I would I would really invite you to keep an open mind as you enter into this episode because you might realize that you fall into a lot of the uh, ideas that we're sharing, because I definitely did not, I, I really didn't for most of my life identify as a creative. It wasn't until the past five years, honestly, where I really started to hone and own that and and see the patterns in my own path and my own life and my own daily struggles that were really uh solved ultimately and supported from understanding the unique creative path. So this is something we jammed on today. This episode is going to be on my podcast. Obviously, you're here listening to this on my show. It's also going to be on Lindsay Lee's podcast, the Too Much Podcast with Lindsay Lee. It is so epic. So go listen to her podcast too. Um, You could listen to this twice. You know, that would be that would be like pro tip you know, listen to it twice because we dropped a lot of really cool info in here. So you could totally do that. But either way, go follow Lindsay's podcast. She's got some amazing episodes to come and lots to listen to on her show already. So let's talk about it. The happy dances are continuing while we begin this episode. So Lindsay, Lindsay Lee's like ooh, one ooh, of my ooh, favorite ooh. people. Okay. And you having you on the podcast just felt like such an exciting 
thing to do. And we, every time we have these conversations, I feel like so many cool insights come through. You are such a badass. It's like not even funny. And you have a kick-ass podcast and we got to create this conversation because we wanted to chat about some things that we both see. And, and also it's been a total giggle fest before we got on here because you're recording in your closet, which is like, if you've ever podcasted before, you know (laughs) that you are not really a podcaster until you have podcasted in a closet. Okay. It's like, it is such it's like a prerequisite for, to be a successful podcaster. Podcast life is either, I like to say, closet or bathroom. Yes. And just, you find those really weird little awkward spaces, but you just know, I feel like it has something to do with feeling safe. Also, duh, it's sound quality and we want the sound quality be, to be good. But in the energy of the person, I feel like I like the, I'm like attached to my closet yeah. now. And I don't know if I can record anywhere else because this is just my little safe space where I can come and be totally me and nobody can see me and no one can hear me except for who's listening. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I could I could show y'all some pictures of places I have podcasted over the years. Like I have attached my podcast mic to a suitcase and then positioned myself in like a crammed closet with other people's clothing just so that I could get the sound, you know, just so I could lock it in, you know, it's like, we do what we got to do. And I think sometimes that's why people get really caught up in the perfectionism where they think they have to have this like massive sound studio to like produce something of quality, but you would be surprised how many like ACE podcasts have been, that just sounds so buttery and good have been recorded in closets. That is all. Yeah. And I think we see on the outside, right? We look at these podcasts like Rich Roll has has been a top podcaster, especially in my life for a really long time. And you see him, he's got this whole studio and it's so beautiful. And there's all this epic equipment around him. And I think really a lot of creatives, being creative is a blessing and it it's also a burden mm. because being creative comes with a tendency to want to be perfect. So people see outside of themselves, they see other people and think, oh, that person's so much further along, I couldn't even start, right? And that's the burden of being creative. But I don't think having that be a burden has to be a bad thing. Yeah, I think that we can take that and we can turn it into fuel, right? It's messy action. Actually, Stace, I think I learned messy action from you many, many years ago when we met. Wow. And you came blazing into my life in the most brilliant and perfect and messy way. I don't even <laughs> think I've ever told you this. Oh my God, I but love it. But you entered my life in this like blazing flame of glory. That sounds like me. <laughs> that was all, yeah, right? And it was all about showing up messy, Mm. showing up totally imperfect, showing up like literally in the fucking closet, right? On a day when you don't feel like you have anything to talk about and you're like, all right, I'll just turn on the microphone and I'll record. And taking this lesson of messy action from you has totally changed my life in the last five or six years since I met you. So hats off. Okay. I just got goosebumps because this is something that I have had to work on myself 
over and over and over again, because it is, it, it, like you said, it's when we're, even if you're not entirely sure if you are a creative, you're like, I'm not sure. Maybe I just create content or I don't really like make art. Like that was my story for a long time. Like I'm not a creative. I just do these things. Right. But when I, when that clicked for me, when I realized, oh, I actually do identify as a creative. These are the patterns of the ways that I look at the world and how I create and birth things. I realized that I had all of the characteristics of someone like that, which also comes with, like you said, that perfectionism. And man, do I, I yeah. can get all up in my own way, like constant practice of, of being able to move beyond. And there's actually this great book uh, that I've been reading right now that I am obsessed with. It's Seth Godin. Uh, and it's called shipping creative work, shipping, shipping your creative work. I have to check the title. I'll put it in the show notes for you guys, but it's, it's epic. It talks exactly about this. Like, it's just, you've got to be willing to get up and out of it because it's never going to be perfect. That's the reality of life. And it's like, when you get yeah. into the motion of actually creating the thing and putting it out and letting it go. Then you get to learn from that, develop more, create more, get into that flow. But if we get stuck in that process of I've created something, but I can't let go or I can't even get to the yeah. part of creating it, we get jammed there. And it becomes this, I think, a really like, oof, man, guttural experience that creatives have is we, when we don't get to put it out, when we don't get to actually get to that point of letting the art go, letting the creation go it can like, it can like eat at you, you know, it's, it, it can really mess us yeah. up, you know? So I, I feel like it's this, what comes to my mind is an artist tying their own hands yeah. behind their back without even yeah. really knowing it. Right. And so I have a lot of people tell me that they're, they're not yes. creatives or they're not artists or they're not even content creators or whatever it might be on any, any platform, anything that you want to put out. And what I always say is show up messy and then, and then let's yeah. have this conversation because we think it's so weird. Like we think that humans want perfection when really it's the yeah. opposite. Like uh, 11 out of 10 times, I would choose the painting that somebody painted that the, the artist, it, it's like their least favorite or they're super critical of it. But if it's hanging on a wall around other paintings that are supposedly perfect, 11 times out of 10, I'm going to pick the not perfect one. And being a creative to me, and and I know you're the same, Stacey, is not about no. art. It's not about like sitting down to a canvas. That is not what a creative is. A creative is a person who is able to wake up in the morning and say, what am I going to create today? What am I going to give the world? And how am I going to do it? Right. And a lot of times for me, this is art in all forms. Let's say you can mm -hmm. speak really well, then maybe it's about time you have mm -hmm. your own podcast. Let's say you have a really cool design eye, but you don't want to do any of the work, the graphic work, right? Cool. That means you're a visionary. That is still being creative with your life. And so I feel like stepping outside of boxes is super important for people to understand. I've been actively stepping out of boxes in my life for the past really, I mean, many years, but the past two or three years, I've really been on this journey to say, what boxes have I put mm, myself in? Love that. 
like small ones, big ones, new boxes, old ass boxes. What boxes have I put myself in and how can I get out as quickly yes. as possible? Oh, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. Like this was, we we had an idea of what we were going to talk about, but like, this is just, it's so cool how we land here because I feel that creatives can honestly change the world. Like I think of someone who has design brain, design thinking, and this totally changed the game for me was like, getting out of this box of thinking, okay, I'm a designer. So I design websites, which obviously you guys know that I do, but it's like when I got out of that box and I thought, okay, what do designers actually do? Designers solve problems, right? That's what they do. They look at something and they think, okay, how yes. can I create this better? Or how can I create this to work? How can I make this deliver this message, this feeling, this sensation, whatever. And it's really like when you can look at the world that way and think, okay, if I'm a creative person and I look out at the world and I think, oh, I, I can see something that would help with that, or I can see a way that that would heal this, this thing, or how I could make people feel this way instead of this way. And, you know, it's like, that is really what a creative is at its core too, is like you look out at the world and you see possibilities and ways that you can create a difference. And I think that that is miraculous and beautiful and we got to get out of this conversation of it's just because I create art or content or whatever right like it's it's so much bigger yeah. than that it's so much bigger I love that you said possibilities to me being creative is two things it's possibility and Ooh. solution and I really really believe that there everyone has a solution yeah. to teach or you know give to the world if you will like your thing and you'll know if you've listened to my show before that I talk about I often say your thing like the world needs your thing and that to me I, I I've named it that because everybody has a different mm -hmm. thing that the world needs and I believe that that is a solution that you are giving mm. the world. It actually doesn't really matter what the problem mm. is, right? There's a million and one problems in the world. But when you can be solutions focused and then you can say, hey, wait a minute, I look at that a little bit differently. Or I wonder if we yeah. did it this way, it might land differently, right? And so that I think is really what we're talking about when we're talking about being, yeah. being creative. It's looking for, it's seeing possibility and then giving the world your mm -hmm. solution. Imagine what would happen, just for a second, if all the people who were actually creatives like owned it and they understood, hey, I'm a creative, so this is my frame of the world and this is likely what's going to happen when I go to take something on that really matters to me, or these are some of the ways I might get caught up in my perfectionism or whatever, right? Like if I, I feel like that was really what changed the game for me when I finally got it, I was like, oh, this is how I operate because I'm a creative. So there's, there's now that I know that I can take actions to support myself. I can understand how I do these things, yeah. right? And how I'm probably going to get in my own way. And like, that was incredibly freeing because not only did it get me out of this conversation of there's something wrong with me, or I'm a procrastinator, or I'm this, or I'm a perfectionist, you know, it got me out of that and it got me into, oh, cool. This is just, these, these are just some patterns I have because of the way my brain works and the way that I operate. So let's do something about that, you know? And a book that was like pivotal yeah. to me, I don't know if you've read this one, The War on Art, like Stephen Pressfield, this guy, whoa, whoa. like, yes. I don't know where he came from. What, where did he come from? Is he an alien? Did he come back from the future to give us this message? Like, we're not sure. But that book is life-changing if you are a creative. 
Whoa. And ooh, when you're talking, something is coming up because I feel like there's people right now listening to this conversation and this bullshit imposter syndrome is coming up and people are saying, oh, I can't be like that. I could never, I don't, I'm not a creative or like my, my stuff would be subpar or whatever. I can literally hear the stories that are coming up while people are listening to this. And the only advice that I have for that is you're not really truly living until you're willing to fuck Mm -hmm. up. And That for me has really been the backbone of my success for the last 10 years. And it's not, it's not that I go into something thinking I'm going to fail or, or hoping that the world doesn't understand the concept. I go into something with eternal Mm -hmm. optimism. I will go into something and I will say, I, I am here because I can see a future vision. I am going to try to create in this way for the world so that I can bring my solution or my mm-hmm. thing forward. But I also have learned that if I'm unwilling to fuck up, then I'm never going to actually truly mm-hmm. be in the game. And that was a really, really big thing for me. And I think a lot of people look at me and I hear this thing, this comment all the time of like, oh, you're so, uh, you're so, you have so much courage. You have so much bravery. I could, I couldn't do it because you're, you're just out there. And I'm like, that is a muscle. Like I am out there because that is a muscle that I have continually strengthened so that I could be an artist Mm. in this world in a way that, that I'm an artist. I think artists have to almost fight for their vision and they have to be willing for the world to try to crush their vision. And I'm not trying to like be like dark and dramatic. I just mean that like, if we want to move forward with a truly creative life, I feel like we have to be okay with the world trying to crush it for a hot second. And then here's the magic in that, that I see is when you keep going, the world will start to be like, wait a minute. Yeah. Okay, hold on. And during that process, you're refining your message or you're refining your thing or you're gaining more Mm -hmm. skills, right? But if you weren't willing to fuck up in Mm -hmm. the beginning, then you're really not going to get to the middle of the journey, let alone the end. It's so true. Like if you're not willing to kind of be a little absurd for a minute and for people to kind of give you the side eye, like, baby, you're not doing anything new. Because everybody, if you have carved a path that is authentically your own, you have gotten the weird eyes from people. That is just, that has got to happen. It's like a prerequisite. You've got to get the the weird eyes. Otherwise, you know (laughs) that, that, you know, I'm curious when you go in with that perspective of like, okay, this could totally fuck up. This could not work right? How do you support yourself in that? Like if shit goes sideways or do you have certain things that you do to sort of like pick yourself back up or kind of get back in the game? Mm, Wow. Great question. So the first thing that comes to mind is it's one of the four agreements. If you've, if you're familiar with the book, the four agreements, um, one of them is don't take anything Mm -hmm. personally. 
And I, for most of my life, I took everything so personally because I'm emotional and I'm feeling and I love so much that I feel like the world should just love me back. And that's a really wonderful <laughs> way to be. <laughs> but it also really hurt for a lot of my life. And so when I read the four agreements for the first time, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, and I learned this idea of not taking anything personally, I could actually start to separate myself from outside opinion. And it sounds, I'm making it easier than it sounds. It's definitely a journey. But what I, what I do is I have to focus on my own mission and what I feel called to do first and foremost, no matter what. And I'm even talking about like doing this with people that I love the most and the people who support me the most, because sometimes those people will love me and they want to support me, but they don't really see mm -hmm. the vision yet. And it's not that I'm better than them. It just because maybe they don't see it in the same way I do. I had to learn how to keep going. And that was a really important thing for me. Along the way of keeping going, there will be moments where it will feel like shit. It will feel totally lonely. And in those moments, A, I have to remind myself that not everything my brain tells mm -hmm. me is true, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like I have to work on my thoughts around it and be like, okay, I'm actually like not lonely. People do love me. I'm really safe. I have a roof over my head. Like I'm pretty, I'm doing pretty good. Right. So one of the ideas that I teach to a lot of the, the women who I mentor and coach is this idea of simplifying things down to the silly. And so that has helped me a lot. So it's kind of this in tandem with like not taking things too personally. Like if somebody doesn't see my vision, they're not telling me that yeah. they hate me. Yeah. They just, literally don't see the vision mm -hmm. yet, right? So the next part that I do is I have to stay really grounded in myself and my own truth. And this usually means spending a lot of time alone and being okay with being alone and being so sure of what I'm hearing from the mm -hmm. inside out. And then the third part of it is that sometimes I literally just have to reduce things down to silliness. Like if I can make myself laugh, then I can get out of the mm -hmm. brain rut that's telling me that the world hates me and I'm going to die, right? Because we're tribal creatures. We really need to like feel safe. But if you can create that safety in yourself, then you can keep going with your mission. So sometimes I actually just start to laugh or I think, why am I taking that so seriously? Or is it really true what my brain is telling me? Does everybody hate me? And is this idea stupid? Or is it just me getting really dramatic and really scared because I don't want to get kicked out of the tribe? So then I start to kind of like loosen things up a little bit. And I think that's the path of a creative as well is you will get into ruts on your own. And so you have to be willing to shake things up and to look at things a different way. And usually what happens is, one, I've done the work enough to like root down into my own vision that I trust myself so much. And then the other part of me is like, fuck yeah. it. People will get it or they mm. won't. Fuck it. 
right? Like that's my one of my biggest life mottos is like fuck Me it. Too. If you want to do it, fuck do it, it is actually way more powerful <laughs> than we give credit to. Like like there is so much Oof. power in fuck it. Like when you can actually get to that point where you're like, you know what? This is all an experiment. Fuck it. Let's do it. That is probably hands down top five most powerful strategies I have had in terms of getting things up and out is just fuck it. It doesn't really matter. Like if you can really let go of that and be like, hmm, none of this really matters. So I'm just going to go for it. Like that is so deeply important for you as a creative to just be able to let go. Yeah. And think about it this way. Like everything is so important and not important at all. Like at all. Is anyone really going to remember that you tried to build a company and it failed? No one gives a shit. Like you just keep going with your own mission. This is actually why the first episode, the first, yeah, the first actual episode of my podcast is all about my motto, fuck it. And what I what I say about that motto is it isn't from a lack of caring. Mm. It actually comes from a space of caring so yeah. much that you're willing to continue to just live your life, like the life that you know you have to live. And this kind of loops back to what I was talking about, about courage being a muscle, because the more that you can live into your own vision, the more that you can live into, you know, fuck it vibes, the more that your courage muscle is going to grow and it'll become easier, right? People, we, we all think shit's hard in the beginning, but like not in the middle, in the middle, you find momentum. And so like, true. then you keep going and then all of a sudden you live into mastery, right? Yeah. It's so true. It's so much easier when you're in the middle too, because you're like, damn, I cracked the seal. I'm in it. I'm doing it. See? And then there's maybe different things you lean on. And yeah. So my toxic trait is that <laughs> when I go through a failure <laughs> or I have a setback, um, this is just totally a joke. It's not a toxic trait, but it is a tool that I use is I watch the fire festival. If y'all have never watched that on the tail end of a failure, this will get you out of your shit so fast because you will watch this and realize how many people this guy fucked over and you're like, okay, I am nowhere near that. Right. So if you can just have your kind of go-to things that remind you that like, it's not a big deal. It's yeah. not world ending you did not fly 3000 people out to a remote island with nowhere to sleep or eat like you didn't do that like i find that can really help me to kind of get my own insecurities my own thoughts my own judgments about what i've created or not created down to size right so i have these little things that i do that sort of remind me of like how much it doesn't matter you know and how little it is in the grand scheme of things but the fire festival i'm telling you man that documentary it works if you go through something difficult where somebody looks at what you've done and they're like this is terrible you're a horrible artist human whatever Go find your fire festival, whatever that is for you. And uh, I find it really brings things down to reality. <laughs> I love that so much, right? It's like, the, it's kind of like the comfort blanket where yeah. you can say, well, at least I'm not that shitty, yeah. right? And then again, it like kind of makes it silly. It makes it seem like, oh, well, I guess it doesn't really matter, right? Yeah. Like I can just keep going. Yeah. I'm really curious, Stace, about, I know that you've gone through a really massive transformation in the last two years, yeah. but I, probably longer than that, but really over the last couple of years of 
you know, you, you found a certain level of success and then you kind of took a break or you, you kind of sat in the back seat for a hot second to, to maybe pivot or refine. And now you've kind of birthed back into the world with so much clarity on what you do. And I'm curious about what your path was like in that. Like, why did you choose to take a step back? And then what really brought you forward back into the world? Oh, I think you cut out, babe. Where it cut out was, I'm curious what your, and then it dropped for a sec. Ooh, are you still there? Am I there? You're here now. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, weird. The router is literally right there, so I don't know. It's okay. It just cut off right when you said, I'm curious what your, and then it dropped. Okay. So I'm curious about what your kind of experience was like where when you found a certain amount of success and then you pulled back and then you came back into the world with what I would see from the outside being a lot more clarity and intention and fire. So I'm just really curious about your process in, in all of that. I love that you asked me that. And it's it's interesting to hear your, like, kind of what your perspective reflection was on that. So basically what happened, I'll kind of go to the beginning so you guys can see sort of the journey here a little bit. So I was a coach for about four years and I'd been in an online space for since I was about 18 and I'm 37 now. So long time. So I was coaching for a few years, kind of utilizing some of the things I knew about online space and building a coaching practice. And then I really hit this point where I just knew that I needed to be creating art. And I think every creative kind of usually will hit some level of that in our lifetime of like, oops, I'm not on my path, right? Or I need to go deeper or Mm -hmm. I need to do something different. And so that was really where I got to. I realized that I loved coaching. I loved the skill. I loved supporting people. I loved all of that. I loved transformation, but I was missing this tangible creation. I really, and creating content wasn't doing it for me. And I was even working on my own brands and my own websites and doing stuff, but it just wasn't doing it. And even if I worked on creative work in my, on my spare time, I still felt like it just wasn't right. Something was missing. And I had no idea what it was. I will be honest with you, design, running an agency, doing this kind of thing was not on my radar at all. It wasn't something that I was generally interested in. I was interested in branding and online marketing and all this stuff for years, but I never envisioned that this was a career path that I was going to embark on. It just wasn't on my my radar. And then over about a three-month period when I acknowledged that something was missing, it was everywhere. It was like every single person I came in contact with was asking me, how do you do this? How do you do branding? Why are you so good at these things? What kind of stuff do you use? Like everybody kept asking me and it was right in my face. And I was, I kept thinking like, is this a coincidence? What is going on? But what happened was I opened myself up to the truth really. Cause I had acknowledged, Hey, I'm not happy with this. Something's missing. And then it was everywhere. And it was all I wanted to do was I wanted to look at fonts all day. I wanted to, you know, talk to my clients about their branding all the time. And I couldn't, it was like kind of a blind spot a little bit where I could see it was right in front of me, but it took me a little while to really acknowledge and own that and go for it. 
And then it just became so clear. I literally woke up one day. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I have to do what I want to do. And so I really took a step back from coaching. Um, I walked away from a pretty successful coaching business, which was really difficult for everybody in my life was looking at me going, are you sure? Like, what are you doing right now? And I turned around and within about a two month period, because so many people in my space kept, it was so clear that this was where I was supposed to be going, that I literally built a massive branding and design business pretty much overnight. But there was a problem with that. I had never done this before as a profession. And so it was like this huge learning curve, which looking back, I would have done a lot of things differently. But at the same time, it really threw me into the ocean when I didn't know how to swim. It was like, okay, you're going to have to swim now 25 kilometers back to shore and figure it out. And that was basically what I did. And I made a ton of mistakes. I made a lot of like, you know, big, bit off a lot more than I could chew. And that was essentially what got me here was I went through this huge, it was about a year where I just took on every project. I was saying yes to everything. I had no mentors around this because everybody that I had spoken to, I didn't really like their methods. I wanted to go a little bit more artistic, a little bit more authentic in design and less strategy. And so it really took me getting in the trenches and figuring it out. So when you said, oh, you took a step back, I actually didn't take a step back. I was in the design. So I said yes to so many projects that I was like working behind the scenes, finishing all of these projects and doing all of these things and learning and cultivating my own skill set. And then when I came, what you said, when you came back, it was literally me. Suddenly I was like, okay, I'm ready now. Right. I've emerged from my cave, right. Of like, I've polished these skills. I figured out who I am in this industry. I figured out what matters to me, who I want to work with. And also just, I think it was a really accelerated learning experience. So I think, and this is something I don't always recommend this. I think there's easier ways, you know, like I think sometimes we can go the hard route, but it it's effective, right? That was my hard, but effective route was I'm going to go throw myself in the ocean and learn how to swim. And I did it in such a, a, a way that I was forced to, because of my own integrity and wanting to do this so bad, I was forced to overcome my own fears and my own resistance. And so it was like a really, I would say a little bit of a pressure cooker in a way, which, you know, like I said, doesn't have to be that way. You can learn in a more gentle way like I do now. But I would say that I wouldn't actually change that part because I came out the other side deeply resilient. I came out the other side with a capacity that is like unshakable. I came out the other side knowing exactly who I am, exactly what I won't say yes to, exactly what I need to do to structure projects and structure my time and structure, you know, all those things so that I can show up and do this. But I will say it's like, it was a huge learning curve. And, you know, I think now like where I'm currently at, I feel like when you go through something difficult or you put yourself in a situation that you have to work your way out of, I feel like you become so clear, right? Because you just, you have to, right? You, you either get clear and get out Or you kind of succumb to, you know, the, the, your overwhelm. And that just wasn't an option for me. I was like, you know, I've got to own my strength here and work my way out. And so I sacrificed a lot of time and energy to projects because I had said yes to them and I wanted to fulfill. And it was like the best schooling ever. Cause like I'm a self-taught designer. I'm a self-taught in pretty much everything I do. 
except for like mentors. I'm not like saying I'm all self-taught, but I, I do definitely invest in mentorship and teachers and stuff. But I think that there's, there's like something that gives you an edge when you are willing to take full responsibility for your own skills and say, I am going to go learn what I need to learn to make sure I can do what I want to do. And that has been like a core wow. value amidst my agency as well Is like, we are the people that figure it out. That's just who we are. Like, we don't go, I don't know how to do that. I better go, you know, take a class for the next three years. Like, no, we just figure it out. We go and we learn and we develop that skill and we move, we move through it. Cause learning is something that, um, I feel like in this day and age, like currently where we're at with the soundscape of the internet and YouTube and all these courses online, podcasts, everything. Like you can learn anything. Not knowing how is no longer an excuse. <laughs> like period, right? Like there's people learning how to yes. paint world-changing paintings from YouTube. <laughs> so like it's just such an interesting yes. time we live in that people like you and I can learn how to do things that would have taken years in the past. So it's a cool time. Yes. Yes. And that idea, I had goosebumps pretty much the whole time you were speaking because I feel like now, I mean, you're so clear, even just in what you were speaking about, you're incredibly clear. And there's something to be said about not being afraid to pivot, right? Yeah. And out of hearing you just now, that's really what I hear is the, is the option to succumb to overwhelm is absolutely there and mm -hmm. it is absolutely not an option. Right. Yeah. And being able to pivot in order to follow the absolute desire and dream that you have. And I've, I see that. It's funny now to hear you speak about it because, you know, front facing, it seemed like you, you took a break. I, I knew you didn't take a break. I just mean, I guess, taking a break from like being out <laughs> in the world, right? On social media and yeah, on your podcast. Yeah, and totally. now it's funny because it's like you were basically just owning the pivot. And I yeah. feel like that is so relevant for so many people. And that was really same, same, but different. But my story was, you know, I was, I was in a career in cleanse and detox for almost a decade and right. now I'm not. And I like to say that I've, I've divorced cleanse and detox, which it'll always be a part of me. And I love that work. And I truly believe that the world needs that work, but I started to feel the same way, right? Like my initial, my forever passion has been branding I have a degree in creative advertising. I went on a trip in high school to New York to meet the editors of, of W Magazine and, and advertising agencies. And it was the most brilliant nine days of my life. And then it led me into creative advertising. And I'll never forget the, the moment that I was in school, kind of in this regular quote unquote, like university system. And I didn't really know why I was there because I knew that I was creative. And I called my dad from campus and it was at some point, I think in my sophomore year where you had to choose new classes or whatever. And I was feeling really angry. I was feeling like really angry that I, that I was being told what I had to learn. And now, there's a part of that that I understand because I signed up for college, right? Like, 
yeah, I get it. I know that there's like certain things I have to fulfill, but I also remember feeling really boxed in and really angry about it. And Mm. so if anyone out there is resonating with this, I just, what I want to say is be, be okay with exploring your anger or your frustration, because I think that both of those things are something that we bounce up against in order to learn, right? And so, Stace, I love that you were saying that, like, there, it, it became so much so that the pivot had to happen, right? Yeah. It was like, life was like forcing you into what is it that I really want to do and and how does it want to come to the world? And it's funny because I ignored that right in college. I, I called my dad from campus and he said, well, all right, take classes that you want. And it seemed in my brain, it was like not an option until I heard it. And then I was like, yes. So that's what led me to advertising because originally all I wanted to do was be creative. And so I knew that that would let me have that experience. And then I used advertising for for many years in my 20s. And then I kind of went into this world of cleanse and detox, which was very much, to me, it felt very black and white. And there were a bunch of rules and there was this and that. And I unknowingly kind of stumbled into the some of the best teachers in the world, some of the best cleanse practitioners in the world became my teachers totally un- unknowingly. I like to say I was like naively fell into like this amazing career and it was beautiful in the beginning and I and I would never take that part of my story back but the last I'd say gosh if I'm honest with myself three or four years it didn't sit right with my soul. Mm. Now that work is really important in the world but it isn't ultimately the work that I need to bring to the world continually. And I think there's a really big difference in that. And yeah. so I kind of did the same thing that I did in, in college. And I thought it got to the point where I couldn't ignore it. I was feeling angry. I was feeling resentful of my career. And I had built a really amazing practice. And I had clients all over the world. And I helped something like 2000 people go through cleansing in their own bodies. And at the end of the day, I was like, fuck this. Like I'm done. I am so grateful that I got to help those people. But like my joy comes from personal branding and my joy comes from the, the creative side of life. And honestly, I say I struggled with that for three or four years because the first two years I ignored it because Mm -hmm. I was letting myself be scared. And then the last two years, I, I divorced a, career, a really successful 10-year career. And now yeah. you want to know what is crazy about that. I, I'm doing better now. And <laughs> I, I heard myself say the other day on a call, like I was like, I love myself more now than I ever have in my entire life. And I'm yes. more creative. I have more energy. I feel, and it's cool because it's an embodiment, right? Like I feel sexier. I love mm-hmm. myself more. I want to be out in the world. I, my job doesn't feel like a job because I love it so much. And so what I, what I'm hearing is really similar in our stories is the fact that you, the the pivot will force you one way or another. Yeah. And we can either ignore it and be in a lot of fucking pain or yeah, 
pause that because that that right there the pause (laughs) like if you wait it's not going to go anywhere and I think that that's that's such a valuable point like if you're feeling like you've shut it out and you're avoiding it, but you're simultaneously feeling more depressed than usual and you don't want to do your work, like it, it will show up, right? And that was yes. that same, same. I, I tried to ignore it. I tried to just pretend that it wasn't there or it was just a phase, but it will impact us because we're creators. We want to be in alignment with our soul and what we want to be doing. And you don't always have the language for it, but like you said, it's like you just know when you know. And you know, like you said, now that you're in that sweet spot and you're in that flow with what you know you're here to do, it's like, it's like everything opens up. Everything is easier. Even if you go through a year, like I did of sucking (laughs) and being a beginner, like that's okay. Would you sacrifice one year of being a beginner so that you could live the rest of the, however long, you know, feeling like totally in alignment and just like in your sweet spot? Hell yeah. Yes. And this is what I see with, with people who allow themselves to be in the pain. Right. And I know this all too Mm. well because I did it for years and I almost don't want to admit that. Right. There's a part of me that's like, Oh gosh, I just let myself suffer for so long. But then I think not really. I mean, there were a lot of learning. There was a lot of learning in that. And I don't know, I guess it was like two years of my life. But really, now I look at that suffering and I think, gosh, I, I, I like had the antidote to that, <laughs> like in my hand. Yeah. You know? Literally. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's so easy to ignore, right? It's so easy for somebody mm-hmm. to be like, oh, it's just a phase or like, I don't know, life's really unfulfilling for everybody. Or like, if you Ooh. find yourself feeling more negative than usual, it's probably because there's some part of your work that is not in alignment. And I say work because I don't mean, you know, that we're here to just work our whole lives. But when you are a creative, your entire life is your work. Your entire mm-hmm. life is is your gift. It's your masterpiece, right? And so if you're feeling these not so great feelings, I think it's because there's some part of it that is not in alignment. And the sooner that you can just leap off the cliff, you're not going to know where you will land. And you're going to learn how to fly in the air, but you have to trust that process or else you'll just dig yourself deeper into a hole of depression and anxiety and not feeling inspired or motivated. Yeah. And that, that can become addictive. Like I think as creatives too, we have a sort of like, you know, a a natural sort of predisposition to you know, existential crisis and, oh my God, like everything is this way. Like it, we are already sort of able to see the world with a more broad lens because that's just your makeup as someone who lives in this way. So I feel like if it can become a little bit addictive to stay in that loop, right. And to stay. And if you study these, these different teachings from Stephen Pressfield or Seth Godin or Julia Cameron, or these people who have been highly creative and have studied how artists live, think, breathe, do everything, you will see that we're all doing it. It's not you. There's nothing wrong with you, right? Nothing like that. It's just about, you've got to, like Lindsay's saying, you've got to jump off. You've got to go for it. I just was thinking about this quote as you were talking 
coming from uh, Shipping Creative Work, and that is what it's called. It's or, or no, sorry, it's called The Practice, and then the tagline is Shipping Creative Work. Mm. This is a quote from the book that rocked me, okay? So the reason why the tagline is Shipping Creative Work, shipping because it doesn't count if you don't share it, creative because you're not a cog in the system, you're a creator, a problem solver, a generous leader who's making things better by producing a new way forward, and work because it's not a hobby. Like, that is to me, yeah, like, he's just saying it right to you. Like, come on, this is who you are. This is what you do. You've got to just take those steps and take those motions. It's not just going to happen. Famous creators in every single industry did not just wake up one morning, post one thing, and all of a sudden everything is groovy. It's like they, they took those steps. They persevered. They worked through the overwhelm. They keep showing up. And that, that is really the secret sauce, you know? So yeah, I highly recommend and that book. I've understanding been reading it. Epic. Yeah. And understanding that we live in a time, it has never been easier to make money from your art or from yeah. who you are, right? If mm-hmm. you keep going with it. Like we are living, and this is another thing actually, Stacey, that I've learned from you because you are the champion for innovation. You're you're like you see the way forward in a way that is is super on point for to me. Like you're like, look, there's certain shit that's not going away. <laughs> so yeah. let's like get on board now. <laughs> right. And so I think there's there's never been a time in history where it's been easier to do creative work and get paid for it whatever that creative totally. work is. And I think that's worth mentioning because a lot of people think, oh, well, how can I make enough money doing that? Or how could I, how could I, you know, I can't leave this quote unquote security of this job and do this because I don't know how it's going to work out. Well, fucking leap off the cliff and it will work out. There's never been a time that it's actually been easier for you to leap off the cliff. Totally. And I'm a really big advocate for just leaping. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes, here's the thing with that though. Sometimes I think that it requires us to change the way we think. And this is something that I think gets kind of some, maybe sometimes left behind is if you want to be successful in the world of being being you putting your stuff out there feeling fulfilled by a you know your creative work you have to be willing to change the way you think mm. and what i mean by this is there are in your brain actually in your brain there's brain ruts that happen and they will make you think a certain way and if you're believing everything your brain is saying to you then you're not going to get out of those ruts, right? So it's like if you look at a tractor on a farm and the tractor goes down one road multiple times a day in the middle of the cornfield and there's a guy driving the tractor, right? And it's just going and then going back and then going and going back. Well, eventually on that dirt road will come, will be made t- tire ruts, right? So eventually down the line, the farmer doesn't have to drive the tractor. The tractor can drive itself. And this is what happens in our brains, like on a neurological level. And so in order to not only be creative, but to stay creative, you have to be willing to experiment with your own thinking. And that to me is either you're either going to grow or you're going to die. And so you might as well change your brain patterning 
in order to get to where you want to be quicker because your brain's always going to fight you, right? Yeah. I hope y'all just wrote that down. Like, I am so stunned by what you just said because there's so many where just my brain went in so many directions there because I think in my own experience of being a creative and I can get really good at a certain level of creativity, right? So if I know how to output something in a certain way, like let's just use a website as an example, right? So if we create this custom experience and it's just so jazzed and epic and amazing, then it, that becomes my new ceiling, right? Because then it's like, well, then that's exciting and I just created this thing. But to go beyond and do something different, right? There's this, this method that I've been using over the years from Julia Cameron where she talks about artist dates. And like you basically are putting yourself in a new experience, a new environment, something that will inspire you and, and open up your perspective, open up your, your eyes to something different. Because you're so right. We can get so caught in these sort of ruts and dialogues. And it could be even before you start, you're like, I can't do that. There's no way I could do that. See all this evidence of why I can't do totally. it. Totally. Right. And your tractor is just driving itself every day. But if you can get out of your usual sort of intake of creativity and get out of that ceiling, get out of what you're usually creating, it can just open up so much. Because I think the thing I'm so excited about right now, when you were talking about how there's never been a better time, there's never been a better time. And there's never been more tools and there's never been more freedom to create. Like we have never had these kinds of experiences before as human beings, period. Isn't that exciting yes. that you can literally create yes. anything you want, anything. So if you get out of the focus anything. of looking what other people are doing, because that's a huge ceiling for a lot of us too, collectively, we look at, oh, they're doing this in their podcast. They're doing this in their online content. They're doing this in their photograph, their photography, their this, their that, right? If you can stop looking at, uh, at everyone else and the kind of collective ceiling and get out of that and zoom out, you're going to open up all these new pathways because you can see and, and embrace what's coming through you, right? Something new and different and really, truly your own, right? Because I actually have a, I have a theory yes. that a lot of us are all copying each other and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's all part of this sort of creative expansion. I think we're all hungry to create something new. And that's why I think as artists, we suffer with these existential conversations because we want to bring something new to the table. That's, you know, not as easy as it sounds, but it takes something. It takes you being willing to listen and really open up to your own creations coming through. It's a challenge. Creativity is no joke, but wow, can it be so fulfilling yeah. and freeing? Because what is, I know you're going to relate to this, that moment where you just, something comes through and you're like this. This is it. Yes. This and you're like, is it. What? And you, what? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and your whole and your whole being, your whole mind, your whole being is like, wait a minute. Yeah. I am so aware that this is actually not maybe from me. It's like being, yes. it's coming through me, right? I've said that a lot because one of the pillars of my creativity, my my zone of genius, if you will, is speaking. And yeah. I've known this for a while. It's what I love. And a lot of people, you know, if you are similar, let's say it is speaking for you and you're not looking at that as a, as a creative outlet, it absolutely is, right? So we have to take ourselves out of the box and say, one of my creative 
outlets is speaking and speaking clearly. But here's what I do every time that I go to speak. There's this part of me that like really wants to prepare because I'm human and I, I want to get it right and I want to give you all the information and it <laughs> never fucking works. Every single time I've tried to prepare to talk, it has been the worst talks of my life. But if I just wow. go and I do it, I can deliver. Now, not everyone is like that, right? There are, there are bullet point people, there are off-the-cuff people, and there are major preparers. And not, none of those are better than the other. You just have to figure out your own way of doing it. But what I firmly believe with that part of my creativity is that it's actually coming through me. And so what I do is I actually open myself up to be a channel. Every single time that I go to record a podcast or get on stage or do a live or whatever it is, it's just a very quick thing I do, but I take a breath and I just say, let me speak what I am, what people are meant to hear. Mm -hmm. And then it, and then it just comes through. And so it's this idea of creativity is no joke, but it'll never let you down. You have to learn how to trust that your creativity will come through. And one of the ways that I've kept myself extremely malleable to that process, well, there's kind of these, these two ways. I was laughing about this over the weekend because my partner is the opposite. He's very logical brain. He's very like, I've got to sit down and he doesn't, he, he loves my process and he doesn't understand it for himself. And so he kept being like, are you, are you going to prepare to record the podcast that you need to record? And I'm like, ah, oh, no, fuck it. I'll just sit down and record it. And he's like, oh my God, it, I could tell it was like giving him a sense of anxiety <laughs> because that's just not the way he works. Right. But the beautiful thing about that was that he, he then at one point during the weekend, he then looked at me and he said, babe, that is your thing. Like that is your flow and the world will reflect back to you your specialty, right? I don't go seeking that, but I do see it when it gets mirrored back to me. And he was like, every time that you just go and you talk, it comes through so fire. And so he's even now learning to have trust in my creativity, even though it doesn't look like his. And so I have learned that I can't prepare. I can write, I mean, some bullet points and whatnot, but I can't overly prepare or else I'll take myself out of the magic. And that yeah. is what I think a lot of creatives do is they take themselves out of the magic because they try to create in a way that is not the way they are meant to create. Right? Ooh, and the other way I keep so myself... Good. Yeah. Take notes, baby. Right? Take notes. This is gold right here. This like, is gold. Stop trying to do it like somebody else, right? Yeah. And like I, Stacy and I have this really beautiful relationship where we can bounce ideas off of each other and we get each other's process and it is similar in a way, but it's also very different. I have never tried to be Stacy. I have mm. learned from Stacy and her and her process, but I am not trying to be her. That would never work for me. And the world would never receive what I had to put out if I was just copying somebody else, right? Yeah, but so it's one so of the easy other to fall in that, that trap, myself... though. Man, it's easy to fall in that trap. Mm -hmm. To think, oh, I've got to totally. be like that and person, and I... then you think you suck because you're not doing it your own way. <laughs> totally. And here's actually how I've, like, combat that in my life. I've learned, like I said earlier, 
to spend time by myself. I don't isolate myself. I just mean I spend time by myself so that I can be in my own thoughts, feelings, emotions, what wants to come through. But the other thing that I started doing was I took my inner child on a journey for a year. I'm actually in it right now, so it it hasn't been a year. But during this year, I am basically spending an entire year with my inner child. So my inner Mm. child is making decisions for me. My inner child is also making shitty art. So like I'm like watercoloring. I don't watercolor. I don't paint. I don't draw. That's not my art. But I do it anyway when I'm you know, in a space where I want to nurture my inner child because my inner child is innately creative. And here's what'll happen, right? With the brain ruts, if I'm coloring or I'm I'm painting or whatever, that I'm not painting to paint and like sell my paintings. I'm mm-hmm. painting so that I can hang out quite literally with my inner child and feel creative because when I open up that channel, that flow, then other ideas start to come to me. This way, I don't have to look at the outside world. I don't have to look at other creatives. I don't have to see how other people are doing it. I don't give a fuck because I've opened my own channel, right? Oof, that is just, it's so potent to hear you explain it in that way because I know what you're talking about. And it's, I think it's so important that we remember this and we keep checking in that like, this is actually like an actual framework, you know, that I feel like you just gave us to navigate that. And remember that when we're getting into those, those ruts of thinking that we have to do it like other people, or we have to have it mirror it this way, or this is what people do in this industry. It's like, you can actually fully allow yourself to go there. And I love the idea of, um, like embarking on this inner child work. I think that's so powerful. There's something about creating art that isn't for your work that I think is incredibly freeing. Yes. And, and, you know, even just hearing you say like watercolors or doing something for yourself where it's not about creating for other people or even things that other people will see, I think it can really open up something in us, you know, like you said, open up that channel, open up that possibility where you're like, oh, I can actually go and create more now because I'm aware of this new energy in me. So sometimes it's not even about what we're doing in our work. It's about what we're doing in our personal lives to open up that channel. So I love, yeah, I love what you just said. That's so strong. Yeah, it keeps you in the magic, right? And I think some of the best ways to keep myself in the magic is to be creative with art that Mm. is not my thing, right? It's not my thing to paint. I'm not a good painter. I'm not even, I don't even mean that like, oh, I'm so shitty. I mean, like, I don't want to be a good painter, right? Mm -hmm. That that isn't my goal. My goal is to sit down and paint. And the other thing that I do is I keep myself moving. So if I start to get into comparison or I'm looking at too much at at what other people are doing, I'll turn my phone off and I'll go on a trail run. And I always say that I do my best writing when I'm on a run. And it sounds really like counterintuitive, but when I run, everything starts opening up in that same way. So I think as a creative who is making creative work for the world, you actually have to have outlets that are not, that don't have to go on the internet. They don't have to Mm -hmm. go in your Shopify site. They don't have to be on your website. Nobody, people know that I run, but like nobody knows that the fullness of that therapeutic process for me because it's mine. 
right? Yeah. I'll go out on a trail and I'll run and then I'll stop a thousand times to like literally cry because I love the world so much, right? I go, oh my God, everything is so beautiful. <laughs> and then that's kind of what you were saying, Stacy, with Julia Cameron saying the artist date, right? Taking yourself out of what you're doing and into a into the world that will inspire you. Mm-hmm. Something that you just said there too really stuck out to me when you said, you know, I don't want to be a painter. It's like when we have these mediums that we allow ourselves to explore where we're maybe not the best or we're not, you know, even great, <laughs> right? And we're just allowing ourselves to be a beginner and explore and play. And it's just about creating. It's not about quantifying if it's good enough or measuring it or anything like that. It's just this is what I created today. I feel like that has so many lessons for us too around like, oh, I can be a beginner. I can suck at something. I can still create though. You know, like it doesn't have to be yeah. always about being good. It's just about putting out art, putting something out, letting it move. You know, I just love that. I feel like there, there's really something in yeah. there for me too. I get that. Because I think, especially as we like kind of build up our expertise in whatever it is that you do, we can get a little bit like vigilant, right? Like, well, I'm so good at this. So I don't want to go and do something I'm not good at because that's not going to be good for my confidence. But I think it's the other way around. I think when we do things we're not good at, it shows you that you can. <laughs> so even if you're not great, yes. you're still building up that channel of like, I can actually take on things that I'm not great at and I can learn and develop and play and forgive and move on, you know? Yeah, I think it's a cool, yeah. that's a cool you know, edge. Some Something that I think about that I have to remind myself of often is think about something that you sucked at when you were born. Guess what it is? Being alive. Like you literally suck yeah. at being a human. Every Everyone had to take care of you. Like you, you would literally die if people didn't take care of you, right? Like you sucked at being human. So I think life is the ultimate evidence for us, right? I was born and I sucked at it and then I learned it. And now here I am, I'm 37 years old and I'm doing quite well, right? And so I think if we can simplify it down to just being so silly about sucking at something and being like, well, it kind of sucked when I was a kid at like a lot of things and then I learned them. So that's the other reason why I say like, I, I, I don't want to be a good painter. I don't care. I don't want to be a good painter. I never want to, I'm not, I will never take a painting class in my life. Right. But I will take my inner child on that journey. And I think that people forget that inner child work doesn't have to be dark, doesn't have mm -hmm. to be heavy. It doesn't have to be sad. It doesn't have to be grunge work, right? Some of that absolutely is there. But the inner child journey that I'm talking about is play. It's, it's child-directed play. It's actually a therapeutic model that I learned many years ago, about 15 years ago, when I was helping uh, start a nonprofit. Won't go into that story, but essentially I had to learn this therapeutic model of child-directed play. And the idea of mm -hmm. child-directed play is that the teacher or the adult or whoever is there cannot say anything about what the child is creating. You can't even assume if a child creates a picture and it's very, very, very clearly in your mind, a dog, you can't say, oh, that's a cute dog. 
right? Because then you've told them, A, that they, they've done really well, it's cute. But then also, what if in a kid's brain, that's actually a sheep? And it's not a dog. Right. And then now they've picked up the subconscious programming that they did a shitty job because they, in their mind, it was a sheep and you told them that you thought it was a dog. So child-directed play is super fascinating for me. And I believe that we still need to be doing it as adults. And so I'll take my inner child on this journey and I'll just be like, well, what are we here for today? Like, what is this? And then it'll, and then things will show up in my space. And the more that I do that, the more that I understand that that work gets to be playful. It gets to be light and joyful, mm -hmm. right? Because I actually believe that the world needs you to be in a space of lightness, which obviously comes also with the darkness. But the world needs your light. The world needs your creativity, your thing. The world doesn't need you to be in a negative space where you're always knocking yourself down. And this is, I yeah. think, where Stacy and I overlap in this idea of like, it doesn't really fucking matter. Just do it, right? Mm -hmm. Because you need to get yourself in a space where you are just simply creating to be in the flow. Nobody wants a blocked channel. That sucks mm -hmm. for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. So the more that you can, can lean into what it is you feel like wants to come through you, the more that you'll feel like you're giving the world something that you, you needed to put out, even if two people see it. It doesn't really matter. Two people, 200 people, 2,000 people, doesn't really matter. I like to say, I'll make my podcast anyway. <laughs> I will yeah. literally make a podcast mm -hmm. anyway, even if nobody yeah. listens to it. Because it's first and foremost about my creative journey, and then it's about giving something to the world. Ooh, I I might have to. Okay, this is a top secret thing I never talk about on the podcast, but I very rarely, if ever, do I re-listen to my podcasts. There's a reason for this. I personally find it a bit cringy. It's just it's my own artist's perfectionism where I'm like, mm, you know. I'll re-listen to it if I'm working on something personally around my interviewing skills or something like that, then I will re-listen. But I very, very rarely re-listen to anything that I do or revisit things that I do because unless it's for creative feedback, I just find it's not helpful. So this episode, however, I do feel like re-listening because there was so much gold in here. And if you're listening to this, I really encourage you to like receive it write it down and then journal about it some more because I think the concepts that were brought up here are, are actually really, really helpful, really actionable things that you can actually explore and take into your life. It's one thing to hear it, understand it, have a, wow, that's so profound moment. It's a whole other thing to take it into practice. But these things, like, I feel like if somebody took all of these tips, all of these different frames and actually went out in their life and really worked them, we would have a lot more creatives outwardly showcasing yes. their work and embracing who they are. Right. So man, we should have you back on the show again Ooh. soon. This was so fun. So this was a collaborative episode. You're going to yeah. hear this on Lindsay's show, the too much podcast, which is so freaking fire. And you're also going to hear this on lady talk radio, which is my, my baby. So yeah, I'm really excited about this, this dialogue we had here. I feel like there's going to be some questions and some comments. So you'll notice in the show notes that you can leave us voice notes and say, share what you thought. I will start featuring some of these on the show at the beginning. You could stay anonymous if you want. 
Um, it could just, you know, be a question, a comment, whatever. But uh, I think it'd be really fun to have you come back on, Lindsay, because I feel like we could have so many chats about so many things and uh, unpack some of this. But you are yeah. epic, my sister. You are seriously like changing uh, the game. I just love it. I love listening to you. So thank you for this. Wow. I thank you so much. And I feel I'm almost feeling like we should make this a, a regular thing where, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you are listening to this and you have questions for both Stacy and I, bring us your questions, like drop us voice notes and we will come back on and address some of your questions collaboratively. Um, I think that, you know, you get creatives in a space together and magic happens. So Hope you all enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed it. I think we both had grins on our faces the entire time and <laughs> nodding up and down really hard. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on and and thanks for, you know, being on my show as well. And it's it's always a pleasure. It's always so much fun to hear your perspective on things. And let's do it again. Yeah, same. Next time I'm going to record in my closet just for, you know, good measure. <laughs> Nice. Love yeah, it. I, yeah. I have an actual recording studio, but I still look at my closet like three times a week. I'm like, coming for you, baby. <laughs> like, there's yeah. nothing like the closet. Okay. I will leave it at that. I will leave it at that. Uh, we love you guys. This was so it. much fun. Thanks for listening. We'll see y'all soon. All right. Peace.